We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And Lakers tonight try to build on their three-game winning streak against the Atlanta Hawks, but it would not be a recent Lakers NBA season without a little bit of injuries here and there. And so, Mike, we've had some updates to the injury report. Where do we stand? Well, it's not great, <laughs> Pete. Unfortunately, I mean, you know, the good news about LeBron being probable and, and Westbrook being probable, but Walker out, Reeves out uh, the with the left hamstring strain. And that's a tough one because we didn't know that even when we spoke to him after the game. And then Troy Brown, there hasn't been an update exactly as to what's going on yet with the left quad strain, but he's questionable. And then Damian Jones got got put on the report, too. So people know that from. Um, from Twitter and such, I think the to me, the main one, since when we spoke last, we already sort of assumed something was going to be going on with Troy Brown, is that Austin being out uh, and then Lonnie sort of continuing to be out as opposed to before he was out with the with the back. Uh, and then we thought, OK, maybe maybe that's something he can return from right away. But if not, then not only are you down him out of the starting lineup, which you replaced, but now Austin, who has been probably the team's third best player uh, and hamstring has you even if it's the most mild hamstring strain possible that's still something that takes a little bit and it can be a risk once you actually come back from it and it just really puts the team in a tough spot heading into this stretch I think yeah for a team that is deep at guard Pete they are sure testing the limits of how deep they can be (laughs) and so it's like okay well Lonnie's out well let's just start Austin oh well now Austin's out Mm -hmm. okay well maybe you would start Troy but yeah. Troy might be out. Yeah. And now you're like, oh, well, what do you do? Right. And so they are testing the limits of next man up. Um, Darwin will surely say next man up and it'll help to have LeBron um, available, obviously. Um, Russ as well. Like the thing is, is the Lakers have guys who could take up usage. And so that's fine. Dennis showed that the last game, no Braun. So it's like, OK, well, I'm just going to. I'm just going to score. And he had one of his better nights. Right. But still, he's capable. Um, 
And so you have to figure more Dennis, right? Um, LeBron's going to take on more ball handling, Russ. But then after that, it's just like, I mean, step on up, Kendrick Nunn and step on up, Max Christie. I think JTA is going to get more minutes as well. Might even see some bigger lineups with Wenyon. But then Mm -hmm. if Jones can't play, then that gets tricky too because it's harder to then play bigger lineups with Wenyon and TB, right? If you need another forward. And so it's getting thin out there and it's going to be tricky and we'll see hopefully Troy's not out too long um if he's out at all hopefully Austin's not out too long same with Lonnie but you're already down AD it's just a lot right and um this is a recurring theme with the Lakers over the last Mm -hmm. several seasons um this isn't a bubble tax anymore though it's not a oh the compressed season anymore either it's just like this is the nba it's life in the big leagues and injuries happen and it's just sort of bad luck that they're dealing with here with some of these like soft muscle tissue issues yep yep and then another potential note on the roster front uh shams tweeted that he and uh yovan are reporting that the lakers are progressing toward a 10-day contract with sterling brown uh brown is shannon brown's brother a former laker and We'll talk about him more if that does, in fact, happen. And that would, I think, help fill some of those holes that Darius was just talking about. But the train moves on, Mike. And we got a back-to-back against Atlanta, who we just beat a week ago. And then a Kings team that's beaten us a couple of times that I think gives this particular version of the roster problems. Although I think this upcoming game on Saturday will be a little different in its nature than the last one. So what do you see with this back-to-back coming up with in light of all the, the injuries and lack of depth? Yeah, so I did the Spectrum studio show last night, and I was talking to Geeter because he'll, from the studio, he'll throw it out to the arena, and the first hit that I always do is kind of a wrap around whatever Darvin Ham has to say, and these last, really, three seasons, I don't even know what percentage, maybe 75% of the time, I've had to start with Mm. some type of injury question, because that's always the most applicable thing for that night, like, before you can get to a game plan, well, who's going to be on the court? Who's going to be starting? And it's just been such a revolving door that is that is not optimal. Let's just say it that way. And so right when you start to get into this team kind of is starting to figure out some type of a rhythm without Anthony Davis and even winning three in a row, which Darius texted us today is what Darius, the second longest streak in the West that you said yep. after Memphis, you know, yep. then it's then it's just more bodies out. And it, it's I think it. That weighs on a team in a certain way, just like it might weigh on a fan base. Or Whereas in, instead of just being able to focus on continuing the momentum, that those are the things that have to be discussed, right, by the head coach and mm-hmm. by the, the coaches when they're making up the game plan. So I don't want to do a ton of that here uh, because it's just going to be so – It's but it's also something that you can't ignore. Um, with that said – I guess the major boost is just LeBron coming in and LeBron having had a, a day without a game, kind of recovering from that trip. Uh, hopefully he's feeling better. And he alone playing at the level that he's, that he's been playing at and then kind of the the collective energy of the rest of the players, even without some key guys, to me is is enough where the Lakers can go into that game confidently. The back-to-back at Sacramento, uh, like arriving late uh, with that, with all of the shortness in the personnel, I think that's another question. Kind of probably wait. I'll probably wait on that one. I think that's going to be a more difficult task. But Atlanta, like they have enough to win a game against a team that isn't playing particularly well um, and hasn't figured itself out either. And and that's mm-hmm. to me where 
they have to try. And this is one thing that LeBron's good at of just kind of clearing the mechanism of all that other stuff. Okay. Who's playing tonight. All right. And here's what the plan is. And and that's, they got to try to figure that one out. Well, we talked about this a couple of days ago too, but the idea of who is available and, and who's not is a clearer picture when the guys who are available are motor guys or guys who are going to just play hard because there's mm-hmm. a certain amount of just effort and how far effort takes you, Pete, um, beyond X's and O's, right? And so the different skill sets certainly matter. Kendrick Nunn is not the same sort of player as Austin Reeves, for example. And Reeves is one of those play hard guys and Troy Brown is too. And so you're missing a couple. But then guess what? Maybe like we said before, JTA might get more minutes there. And he is another guy who's going to play hard when you may see more minutes. And he is too. If Max plays, Max is one of those guys that gets after it as well. And and so there's a certain amount of like, hey, that those competitive juices are going to continue to flow. And when you're short on manpower, the last thing you need are guys whose motors run hot and cold because on any given night, if it's running mm-hmm. cold, then you're likely to lose by a ton of points because those guys aren't bringing the requisite effort. And I have probably like no concern or like very little concern about the players who are available who, and that being an issue for well for them right i also think that it's like having younger guys does help there too because last year it was a lot more veteran types of of players and some nights those guys just don't have their legs and so that's something that honestly i do i don't worry about it but lebron missing time and having an inner a potential interruption to the rhythm that 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 he was on is something i will be watching for early i'm not i'm not sure if that's something that you carry as well pete but it is something i'll have my eye on tonight it hasn't been long enough since he last played for me to be too worried about his rhythm. And I think that the benefit of it, like like Mike, one of the things that you brought up in passing yesterday was how sustainable is it for how long he had played back-to-back 40-minute nights of heavy usage, just really, you know, lots of touches, lots of shots. And my thought is that the occasional LeBron needs a night off game is the way to make it sustainable and now the problem is is like can you win games like that when LeBron is out but we did we did the other night against Miami now how often can we do that I don't know I do think that Dennis and TB in particular and their ability to just up their usage makes that a lot more possible as we saw in that game against Miami but I I like I think LeBron's gonna be all right and at least and, and maybe this is just me putting a positive spin on it Aside from Anthony Davis, of course, all of our engines are playing. That's one thing I've noticed with this team is that if we get down too many of our lead ball handlers, with that being LeBron, uh, LeBron, Dennis, and Russ in particular, then we can have units where it's like, oh, we can't create a shot in the first place. Whereas I think there's a little more interchangeability in the role players. That said, having both Austin and Troy Brown out, if, if Brown is out, at the same time, I think like we're going to get into some bench units that's like huh <laughs> you know how's how's that going to work and so guys to me like JTA and none become particularly important in that circumstance so none clearly really struggled especially early in the season uh, and you know against Miami he got nine shots up he hit four of them three rebounds there's just been you know there's been something with none where just the energy level or the 
you know, something mm-hmm. with him, right. That hasn't quite been there. And it's really hard to, to define and to analyze somebody like that without being really judgmental as to like, well, I don't know what's going on with this player, but whatever it's been, you know, is not, it might, maybe it's gotten a little bit better since the start of the season, but now it's sort of just going to, he's going to have to play uh, some of these minutes off the bench. And really the only other alternative is to call Scotty Pippen Jr. up as well um, on the two way. And he's been playing really well in the G league, you know, struggled in the preseason, struggled in some very limited minutes, like in garbage time, a couple of times he got called up, but he has really improved from the the point of where we were watching him a lot over the summer and, and in training camp. And, and that might be, that might be something that Darvin Ham has to try at some point, but you know, JTA he, to me, like, I thought that without LeBron there, uh, and I think the same thing could be said for Patrick Beverly, without LeBron there to create some shots and to create some openings, uh, those guys were going to struggle a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. And you could see that even in the plus minus from the Heat game. Whereas, Pete, you mentioned the engines, and that's where kind of Dennis and Russ were the players that you needed against that kind of Miami defense. And even they were not necessarily, especially Dennis, creating that advantage for somebody else in terms of, okay, right. well, I'm going to leave Beverly here because that's how much LeBron's collapsing the defense. They were kind of like, well, if it's Schroeder getting to the rim, we'll take our chances with him either finishing or, you know, Dennis got to the foul line partly on his kind of Chris Paul, Kyle Lowry package, uh, which which he has a good one. He's definitely mm-hmm. has some some German grift in his game but that that what to is, me uh, yeah what is we german google grift? translate yeah. yeah we need google translate well, I, here i just said german because he's german really you could separate it like the grift is exists on its yeah. own regardless and, and yes. doesn't know national sure. boundaries that yeah. that little rip through when uh uh when we got four fouls and yeah. you know a guy just reaching in and just walks the right to the free through, throw line yes yeah. the rip through right into the walk to the foul line it's not yeah like, it's great it's, it's shameless well, i love it and especially the the, the I, so I don't like that stuff, but the fact that he did it against Kyle Lowry, I liked because Lowry has gotten so many <laughs> BS calls over the course of his career that anytime, if you can get Harden or him or, you know, like Lou Will, one of those guys, um, then I'm fine with it. But so that's one part of it. But LeBron coming back to me is where maybe that, that raises up the level of a Beverly, of a JTA, of a nun. And so therefore those guys can sort of, you can fill in and get through a couple games. It's just about the extended absences and, you know, seeing if those guys can really step up in that level, but you're, you're going to get the consistency from Thomas Bryant, you know, from Schroeder. Russ is going to play the same way. Russ has played the same way for his entire career. <laughs> no matter what is going on. Yep. Uh, yep. He's only got that fastball. So, and Wenyan too, Wenyan can kind of fit in either type of way because he's got the level of athleticism and energy uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just I'm trying not to expect too much from the that nun spot, but there's a part of me that's still holding out some level of for him, like hope for him that he can he can start to put some things together and start to find mm-hmm. whatever it is, that mix of energy and rhythm that seems to have been lacking for most of the year. I'm less optimistic about the energy part and I'm more neutral on the like a is the shot going in part. Nunn is a talented offensive player, and I think his defensive energy is not what I would hope, and that's just mm-hmm. what it is. And his general energy is like he seems – and this is just maybe a personality thing with, with Nunn as well. He seems more low-key. 
He seems he seems like a guy who is not like the fiery. If you've got Pat Bev on one end of the spectrum, none seems like he's on the total opposite end of mm-hmm. of that spectrum. And sometimes that leads to what looks like a certain lethargy on the court when in reality, that's just like the pace and tempo that this particular player plays with. Right. And so none is not a fly around the court sort of guy on either end of the ball. What I'm really looking for then is, is his shot falling? Cause if his shots falling, he's can be useful. Uh, like against the heat, you mentioned that he got eight or nine shots up Mike and he may, I think he went four of nine or whatever. One of those threes he hit was important. One of those finishes inside that he got was important. Every mm-hmm. point was important against the Heat without LeBron, but they came at parts of the game where it's just like, hey, this is a super competitive game. Every basket is needed. And if and a couple of those baskets came with both Jimmy and Bam on the court, and we talked about this the other pod, but it's just like those felt like monumental possessions because the <laughs> Heat just looked like a super, like a more talented team. Right. And so to me, Pete, it's more like hey, if, it's if not, if none going to fight over the top of the screen and 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 dart through and do X, X, Y and Z. It's just like, hey, does that pull up three that he decides to shoot in transition? Does that fall? Because if it falls, that's a great shot. Right. If it doesn't, it's just like, OK, well, that's not the best possession, but they're just going to have to live with what none is or isn't. And earlier during the season, it was almost all what he isn't. Game mm-hmm. after game after game, it's just like, well, he's not this and he's not that. But they had to play him to a certain extent. Sure. Well, I mean, my biggest thing has been that he hasn't been who he is for a decent portion of the season, especially to start. He had like multiple zero point games at the beginning of this season in a row. And coming into this year, aside from the three future Hall of Famers on the roster, he had the highest scoring average of any player, including Dennis, including Lonnie, and all that, the highest career scoring average of any player. So that's where I'm at with none is like, put the ball in the hoop. The other stuff, like, yeah, do the best you can. Darvin pointed out the three rebounds that he grabbed, which is was one of the problems earlier in the year. So many of our guards just weren't had any instincts toward the ball on the defensive glass. And none was one of those guys. And so all of that stuff's great. But it's like, can he put the ball in the hoop? And I think I noticed this from both none and Jones that I see is better, Mike, not to the point where it's like they should be in the rotation when everyone's healthy. But I think like not everybody picks up on a new system offensively or defensively at the same rate. And early in the season when there was so much uncertainty around them too. Like that's one of the things from watching none here versus Miami. Miami has had the same coach for years and years and years, a bunch of players that have been there for years and years that all know the system. And so there's a certain amount of stability around that allows a guy to kind of pick things up and get into the flow better. But if you're a little bit lost and then the guy next to you is maybe a little lost than you are, a little less lost than you are, but is also a little lost. And then there's somebody else on the court that might be even more lost. Like that adds up collectively over the course of, of, you know, of, of a game. And so I've seen a little more comfort from none. And I think that's turned into a level of decisiveness that this is my hope, right? He may just continue to be bad. Uh, but I, I'm seeing more decisiveness as a result of him having a better understanding of where and when to attack. So that's where I'm at with none, Mike. He's like, put the ball in the hoop and I'll be happy. Well, I think that's that does represent the fair a fair way of looking at him. And we also shouldn't exaggerate too much. Like they still do have both Schroeder and Westbrook, who are both pretty high usage right. guards uh, next to LeBron, you know, who is mm-hmm. 
forward nominally and certainly defensively, but you know, he's going to have the basketball a lot too. So it, it's, but it's more just that Nunn's going to get his kind of 15 minutes, you know, and maybe 20 on a given night mm-hmm. as opposed to really zero, which it was for a little bit. And, mm-hmm. you know, even with that said, I guess that this also depends in part on what Max Christie is capable of doing. And, and I, like for me, I think the South Bay Lakers has been a terrific thing for the Lakers and just in general. But I do think with so many guys out, it's it's tough to kind of go up and go down like he's been doing and mm-hmm. to play in the G League and then to play in the NBA the next night and, and not, you know, have some level of fatigue. Like, I think sometimes we look at it as, oh, no, you got to get got to get the in-game reps for this guy. But yeah, but not if you're not if you're going to need him to be a rotation piece you know, for a little Mm -hmm. while, then to me that then the minutes load becomes just a little bit too much, but they know what they're doing there. And that's my expectation is that he just, you know, stops playing some South Bay games until they get some bodies back for the Lakers. That, That makes sense. Let's take a break. We'll come back, talk some more Lakers. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So an interesting thing with all of these injuries and even with the nun question up in the air and Mike, you made a good point about the usage guards still is even with Brown out and all this stuff, the Lakers have the potential to be just a more conventional team. And so I do expect to see some like, hey, look, there's Pat Bev with Russ and none is on the court as well. And it's just like, hey, that's three small guards. Right. Or Dennis Nunn and Pat Bev may all be in the game at the same time for a two to four minute stretch. And we're all going to look at that and be a little bit like, oh, what's happening? But the question I wanted to kick back to you guys is, is let's say Troy doesn't play. Austin's already out. Lonnie's already out. My guess is at that point, like Dennis will start. LeBron will start. TB will start. And I think JTA is going to start at small forward like I don't know who else is going to start like who else is going to start there are you going to start Kendrick Nunn are you going to start Max Christie and even if you do start Max Christie at least he has size and so 
I think the point I'm trying to get at here is the remaining players are actually okay sized for their positions, right? None, none's a point guard and he's point guard sized. And Max Christie is a shooting guard slash wing and he's got shooting guard and wing size. And JTA is a forward and he's got forward size nominally, right? As a small forward, at least. And then Wenyon and TB and LeBron and Russ and all of these guys are basically built the exact way that you'd want them to be built. And these lineups are going to and I think the number of players available also aligns with like, well, all of these guys are basically going to have have to play and building out a rotation within the context of, well, these are their set positions and they have positional size for their positions. And so I'm just wanted to kick it back to you guys. Do you see any upside within the context of that specific framework, which is like. There's been too many guards before, and so mm-hmm. you've had four guard lineups at times. Or at one point, that one game where it was like a five guard lineup where Austin's like oh, yeah. the biggest dude on the court, right? And like I get there's experimentation, but now you have to go in the other direction. There's yeah. literally nine or ten guys available, right? And all of them are basically the exact size that they should be for their relative position. That intrigues me to a certain extent for a Laker team that hasn't that has been a little Frankensteinish. Right. Like at times. And and so I just wanted to kick that back to you guys as a general idea. And where are you at with that idea in general? Yeah. I I mean, I wish it weren't at the potential expense of wins and losses. Right. Uh, (laughs) But I am excited about this stretch about what that looks like, because you're spot on with that point is that we've been so guard heavy. And it's been one of the main storylines of the pod this year that we've had a lot of three guard, four guard type of lineups. And now that ability has been basically taken away in a lot of circumstances. Not entirely, though. And so the three spot to me has been one of the spots on the roster as the year's gone on that I've that I've started to view more and more as an inflection point of what type of team, big or small, are you? A lot of times when we talk about that topic, it's AD at the five versus another guy at the five, right? But it's really focused around that five spot. I would argue, Mike, that it's really the three spot that will flip whether or not we go big or not. Because one of the guys that came to mind to me, and I'm always going to advocate for him when I I see an opportunity, but one of the guys I thought is Wenyon's a possibility too, if you want to go bigger. And JTA maybe being more of a bench small ball units, you know, LeBron at the five type of of lineups as well. Um, And that's one of the things though, regardless of what I think or what I, you know, would would like to do, Darwin's shown a proclivity to approach that three spot more toward a smaller player when we've had those guys available. So we still have those options of Dennis, Russ, and Nunn, for example, on the court, or, you know, Bev in the mix as well, but not as much. So what do you think about that idea, Mike, when so many of the guard options and the Austin and Lonnie and Troy all taken off of the table, where, what position does that leave Darwin in? So the one thing I should add and- and touched on this to start, but we don't we don't know about Troy Brown. Like since he is still questionable, mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. we should just take that for something as opposed to either doubtful or out. Well, let me ask you this, Mike. What happened to Troy Brown as far as you know? We don't. So we don't know uh, exactly because we didn't speak to Troy. Or at least I didn't speak to him extensively. Uh, I mean, I think that Darwin had said that he that he basically took some contact to the quad and I don't think that's the case I think that he that that may have been he may have just been mistaken or somebody told him or whatever the communication Mm -hmm. got lost there but it seemed like Troy kind of almost pulled up like he felt something in the quad but he could have woken up the next day yesterday and felt better and that could be reflected in the questionable tag 
And I just I just reached out to see if there's an update. And as we're recording this in the morning on Friday, there isn't one yet. But that that in itself, right? Like if he is okay, and let's say maybe he thought that it was he was hurt and now he's not, then he could certainly fit into that spot. Um, and mm-hmm. but that that sort of still accomplishes what you're saying, right? Yeah. As a, he's yes. not one of the smaller guards, and you can still that can still work that way. Um, I'm I have been I think with you in the whole more minutes for Wenyan thing, and he played twenty against the Heat, and he mm-hmm. doesn't usually play that much. So, and of course, LeBron was out and, you know, they were shorthanded in many other ways, but he, you know, even like Stu likes him, you know, that usually says something like oh, that. Yeah. If, if Stu likes you just watching the games and not looking at numbers and not looking at the rest of the league and he just likes seeing him on the court, like Stu likes Austin, you know, the guys mm-hmm. that are just impacting the eye test only, uh, I think is, is something that means something. So uh, those are all good things But I just wanted to throw in the, before we, completely write out Troy Brown. I suppose I should actually follow the questionable tag that he has. Mm. Yeah. The interesting thing for me with, with Troy, and I think that this goes into like some coaching nuance stuff, and, and I'd love to sort of get a better sense of this from actual coaches who make the decisions. But at some point questionable, like how do you actually view questionable? And it's always interesting to me, like, do you actually have to plan for this dude not playing? And then and then if he does play, you slot them in, because I think it's it's one of those things that if because if you plan for him to be there and then he's not, then that seems like a harder adjustment to me. And and so just for the sake of this conversation, I'm looking at it as probable means that you're going to play questionable means probably not and doubtful means likely not. So I wouldn't say that. Uh, so to me, questionable, I would say veers towards the positive usually mm. in the NBA, I think, because if if you know a guy's out, then you just say doubtful um, or out. And questionable a lot of times means like, uh, what's, the, what's the way to put this? So questionable for me, from a tr- generally speaking, from a training staff perspective is like, you're you're not going to necessarily make something worse or hurt it by playing. So it depends in part on how you feel, you know, mm-hmm. when you get to the arena. And it's in a way, it's almost like a medical clearance. Now, cl- clearance is too strong of a oh, word. Oh, interesting. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. But it's it's more like if you're if, if the training staff says you're not playing, you're going to be listed as doubtful or out. But if you're listed as questionable, mm-hmm. it's sort of like this might be something that you could you could play with. Um, like, a, you know, like an ankle sprain, uh, a contusion mm-hmm. of some sort. If it's a hamstring injury, that that to me is more of the one where the training staff's like, no, we don't want to put you out there because this is something that. So I generally if I see questionable and it's not every time, sometimes got, like Russ was questionable the other day, ended up not playing. Uh, but usually if I see questionable, um, I'm veering at least a little more towards the positive than not. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much where I am on that tag. I think some of the time it's the team saying like, we don't know yet and we have to put out this injury report. Right. And so that, that can be part of it, part of it too. Uh, I want to switch gears real quick though, to, to the games, specifically the Atlanta game tonight. D um, we've talked about a lot about the challenges Lakers are facing with the bench and guys being out and whatnot, but this was a game that LeBron went off on his birthday was absolutely incredible. Got one of the more fun and, and, quality wins of the season, uh, beating Atlanta in Atlanta last week. And so looks like LeBron's going to be back. Uh, and so how do you see this game tonight against a team that we beat, but it certainly was a very competitive game. 
Yeah, I'm super interested in a couple of aspects of this Hawks game. One is the return of DeAndre Hunter. Hunter missed the last game, and he's probably their best defensive wing. They Mm -hmm. had to play John Collins on LeBron a fair amount, and guess what? That didn't work. And so Hunter is a much better player defensively than John Collins is. He's a sturdier player. He's, He's just better on defense. And so... Whether or not that's going to be an impediment to LeBron, I think, well, it remains to be seen, right? And like I said, I'm looking very early in this game to just sort of see like what LeBron's general lift and legs and feel and energy is like particularly coming off of in illness. So that's one piece that I'm super interested in. The other piece that I'm super interested in is that Clint Capella remains out. And so the Hawks don't have a lot of size. Behind Okongwu, who is now their starting center. And so, like, they played Frank Kaminsky, like, at center for four minutes the previous game. And then besides that, it's just like they were patching together these small ball groups. And it's one of the reasons why the Lakers were able to score the way that they did in beating the Hawks, even though LeBron was hitting a bunch of threes. So a couple of things I put into the game preview is over their last 10, 10 games, the Hawks are 21st in defensive rebounding rate. And they allow the most shots in the restricted area of any team over the last 10 games. And so those are places where you look at Russ, you look at Dennis, and then Thomas Bryant potentially being, and Wenyon being good off good offensive rebounders at their positions. Those are places where I think the Lakers can leverage their strengths, even if they are depleted to a certain extent, right? Because the guys that they do have available, those are the pressure points where the Hawks are vulnerable. And that's what those players do well, right? Dennis gets to the basket and so does Russ and LeBron can too. And so that's sort of where I'm at with the matchup when it comes to Atlanta. Where were you at, Mike? Yeah, Atlanta is just a they're a team that's got a certain amount of talent and they went all in to try and to to what they thought kind of get them over the top by making that Murray trade and I didn't really love it at the time and I I don't know if Trey Young really loved it at the time and, and I think he's been sort of acting like it and playing like it this year and it's just a on the one hand you think okay well Murray can make up for some of what Trey doesn't have defensively but really Murray doesn't have Murray can make threes, but he's not really a shooter. And so you just get to the point where it's not when you have guys that have to cover for one another. It, it what you would prefer to have is two guys that you just don't need to take off the floor, period, on either end and can both function together. And, and Stephen Clay is always kind of like the perfect marriage of that type of a thing uh, in in a backcourt as opposed to like a because they're still two they're smalls, even if Murray is a physical defender and can get steals sometimes like he's still kind of slight. And so I think that at a starting point, um, chemistry, and that's without all of the chemistry issues that, that they have. And I think that the Lakers in this context, for all of their struggles this year and for all of the guys that have been out and in and out, they have a better sort of collective will right now than what Atlanta has. And, and so the matchup stuff, um, I think you pointed out some some good points, Darius, and, and with without needing to kind of piggyback on that, I'm just... I'm thinking about this Atlanta team and this trip a little bit more in the sense of, well, they got a win in Sacramento and mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're not the kind of team that you think it just stays locked in and laser focused the the next night. And, and that's not to say they don't have the talent to beat the Lakers. It's just that it's not one to me that you lose mentally going into it. 
So, Mike, let me kick it back to you really quickly on this point. Then we thought when the Lakers went into Charlotte that they were they sort of carried that chip from the previous game in which they lost to Charlotte, which left a sour taste in their mouth. It's the opposite scenario here for the Hawks. They just played the Lakers. Lakers fans took over their building. LeBron celebrated his birthday right right on their court and scored 47 with a near triple double, right? How now I know that you're saying that Atlanta collective will, they just got a good win, maybe mentally they're not quite there, but do you think that that aspect of like that revenge factor and them being seeing the same team again so recently might aid in that sort of mentality approach that that you were just discussing? Yeah, no, it does. It does. And I can't be a hypocrite and not acknowledge that that's a factor that I think matters. And you, you also said earlier, they get DeAndre Hunter back and he played 36 mm-hmm. minutes and that's another big wing, another guy, or maybe, maybe you just mentioned it in your preview, Darius. I, I think you did. And that's another body that they can put on LeBron. And it just, it makes them a little bit bigger, a little more athletic. And, and those are things that I think can give the Lakers problems. So yeah, this is by no means a game that I'm going into even thinking that the Lakers are favorites necessarily. Uh, I would I would just say that it's it's a little bit closer to a toss up um, based on kind of where the Hawks are at in their season. But giving them some credit for a bounce back effect, plus that they get this additional um, good athletic body back. And, you know, they're playing like Nate McMillan played basically seven guys in that Sacramento game to get that win winning time, Mike, it's winning Mm -hmm. time for him. Bogdanovich played 32 minutes off the bench. Griffin played 17 and then Aaron holiday played nine. So 41 for Collins, 36 for Hunter, 35 for Murray, 32 for young. So McMillan's definitely, you know, trying to win. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. By the way, a medical update that, that I am getting now, but that will of course been out by the time. Let me just interject this here. So, Austin Reeves and Lonnie Walker were recently evaluated by team doctors. Reeves has been diagnosed with a left hamstring strain and will be reevaluated in approximately two weeks. Walker, the mm. fourth, has been diagnosed with left knee tendonitis and will be reevaluated in approximately two weeks. So, Ugh. yeah, that's uh, that's that's not. We already knew they were going to be out for this Atlanta game, and mm-hmm. I'm sure we can we can sort of talk about the bigger implications there. But that that removes at least the hope that it was a super minor. You know, tweak. Actually, I take that back. Two weeks for for a hamstring is sort of standard, even if it's a totally minor one. So Austin mm-hmm. could be fun, but but missing him on top of uh, Walker for two weeks is is tough. So just wanted to get that in so that it wasn't out of the pot completely. Yeah, thank you for thank you for providing that update, man. Um, yeah, that's gonna be gonna be tough. We'll talk about that going into next week and especially depending on how these games go this weekend. So challenging times. Uh, Never a dull moment in Lakerland. <laughs> never a never without a new challenge. Um, real quick, my thoughts on the Atlanta game. I think you guys characterized just kind of the environment and circumstances going into the game really well. I really like DeAndre Hunter. I think he's a really good player on both ends of the floor. And I think that he will help swing the game as you guys got into. But with the Lakers, I think, and this is a topic that we will discuss more in detail, I think, as the pod goes on. I think one of the best environments that we can win in is to make a game a rock fight. And so that if you look at LeBron's, uh, Dennis said, right, like LeBron said he was going to score 40 before the game. If you look at his shot chart or like the play-by-play, it's like LeBron dunk, LeBron layup, LeBron layup, LeBron layup. It's all in the paint. And that without Capella and their just general lack of size, which Hunter helps a little bit, but not entirely, um, 
combined with the players that we have available now, like the guys that we have out are more of our skill finesse players, right? Austin's way more skill than strength. Lonnie, we've talked about that as well. Even Troy Brown to an extent. Uh, The guys that we do have, a lot of them are LeBron, Russ, Wenyan, TB, and then Dennis is not a big physical guy, but he's got that aspect of speed. And so I think that how do we navigate these next couple of weeks? I think we got to we got to win some rock fights. So hopefully we're able to do that. Uh, all right. We'll be back on Monday to talk about how it went. I hope everybody has a good weekend. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot, the He's an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the score. move. Two, one, miss it. Bryant, unbelievable. It's over. Shot clocking out of five. Bryant. Yeah. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.